0: My name is Divya Inna and welcome to Talk Water, a Bluetech research podcast series focused on providing water market intelligence. A place where we discuss new and emerging water technologies, growing markets and how the future of the water sector is being shaped and changed by the broader megatrend of the fourth industrial revolution. Thank you very much for joining us. And again, a very warm welcome. On this month's podcast, I speak to Judith Herschel-Cole, a member of our tag team, about the latest in asset performance management and its vast capabilities. We'll then catch up with Reese Owen, our editor-in-chief, on Bluetech's latest research highlights. But first, it seems like the war on drugs have moved to the sewers. What am I talking about? Well, scientists are testing wastewater to find trends in illegal drug use. In March of this year, Australia released its fourth national wastewater drug monitoring program report, which includes wastewater data from 45 wastewater treatment sites across Australia. Now, according to the report, of the drugs measured, alcohol and nicotine continue to be the most consumed drugs in Australia. Drug testing wastewater was first proposed in 2001 by a gentleman called Christian Doughton, a scientist from the EPA who was hoping to raise awareness of the ecological impacts drugs can have. Traditionally, drug epidemiologists have had to rely on questionnaires. But really, such surveys are not cheap and are often riddled with response biases. You know, since drug users aren't really keen to tell the truth about breaking the law. But the development in real-time sensing and monitoring has made sewage testing for drugs a new form of mass surveillance. The data can be incredibly valuable, letting scientists and law enforcement quickly track drug use trends and identify new substances on the market. It can also measure the impact of drug policy strategies and even highlight which days of the week drug use spike. And by the way, Australia is not the only country involved. Italy in 2005 became the first country to use mass spectrometry in water samples to approximate local cocaine consumption. And since then, we've seen Canada and New Zealand also come on board. And though it's not at a national level, some U.S. municipalities are exploring tracking illegal substances through wastewater analysis. For example, the municipality in the town of Cary in North Carolina is working with a startup called Biobot Analytics to collect data from its wastewater to track the use of opioid. Like many places in the U.S., Cary has been hit hard by the opioid crisis, Now, Biobot Analytics is a startup spun out of MIT with a mission to equip cities with data to build healthier and safer communities. Current methods of quantifying are reactive, you know, counting the number of overdoses and emergency responses. But Biobot is pioneering the move to a proactive model of measuring opiate consumption while people are still alive. But actually, is any of this even ethical? You know, after all, wastewater analysis is basically drug testing without consent. So should we fear a future where ordinary citizens have their toilet effluents regularly monitored? Perhaps that's why a few places, out of fear of developing the wrong reputation or attracting unwanted attention, have declined to allow wastewater sampling. I mean, if your town gets painted as the, the meth capital of the county, what kind of message does that send to people? In any case, the ability to trace individual drug users is available to law enforcement, if they choose, but for now, such a narrow focus is too costly to be worth it. In other words, installing drug monitoring filters in everyone's pipeline just isn't worth it. But that isn't to say a future in which individual homes are screened is out of question, especially when wastewater analysis becomes more routine. Even so, the real question is, how will this wastewater data be used? You know, will sewage data be used to understand drug epidemiological trends or for handing out punishments? I think this is something to think about. On that note, we'll move on to the feature piece of this episode. I'll be speaking with Judith Herschel Cole, a member of our tag team on the latest on asset performance management. For quite some time now, we've been talking about the Internet of Things, or IoT, as most people call it, and how it's a rapidly evolving area that brings together people, machines, and data to enable industrial assets to perform at elevated levels of output or efficiency. Um, But we're also seeing IoT-based Asset Performance Management, or APM, tools being specifically developed to improve the lifecycle of critical assets while reducing um, ongoing operational costs. These APM solutions allow us to capture and analyze historical and real-time operational data to improve asset performance. But um, I'm not doing any justice in trying to explain this. So I have online with me today a member of our technology assessment group, Judith Herschel Cole, who's been studying this area in quite some detail. Judith, welcome and, and thank you so much for joining us. Um, let me start. Let me let me start by asking you how you would define asset performance management because. For myself and, and most people, I'm sure, would think of it as just being asset health analysis tool, whereas in reality, it's so much more than that. I mean, you were mentioning to me concepts of augmented reality, cloud security, and, and so much more.
1: Yes, you're correct, you that, Uh APM is a very broad term, and it has different meanings to different people, and it can differ by sector as well. For the entire plant, there are systems that focus on the accounting side and how the uh, financial side is impacted by the assets, but for our focus on water, there are various technologies uh, that are out there that are looking at different areas within a a plant or outside of the plant. A lot of technologies are looking at pipeline integrity, uh, both in water and wastewater and in addition to that in stormwater. So in our area, asset performance management is more uh, looking at the life of pumps, pipes, equipment for being used for treatment, cost of chemicals and usage of chemicals, uh, non-revenue water, and scheduling repairs both to equipment and to assets outside of the plant, like the pumps and the piping.
0: Right. And when you studied this, did you find this landscape to be particularly busy? I mean, who are the current leaders in this area and how do they differ? On the
1: plant level, there are some big names like SAP and OSI, PI. In our focus area, the water sector, the leaders that we've seen most often are Veolia, Suez, Nauco, and emerging is Xylem. The right. um, Beolia has several levels to their system, uh, and they also have a separate service section that can blanket any of those three levels of service. The largest that we've seen is Suez. They have a very large installation base that's designed to serve their chemical com- customers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And those products
0: are based on
1: different sectors like cooling water, CIP, and membrane filtration systems.
0: Okay. And from the outside, do the technology offerings look more or less similar to you or did you or is it you know quite difficult to differentiate their unique offerings? From the larger competitors? So for the larger competitors, yeah.
1: They uh, have entered the market by different avenues. Uh, for instance, Nalco has chemicals and Xylem has sensors and meters. Uh, so they have focused on their core areas of expertise as they enter the market. Um Veolia is, is the most agnostic as far as equipment or chemicals. Right. Because they you know, that's been their approach to the market because that's um, you know, they're more of a generalist company. So yeah, the approaches have varied
0: significantly. Okay, so some big players there, um, but on the new and emerging side of things, are there a lot of newer companies entering the space? Um, uh, Yes, there are dozens of specialty and emerging competitors. Most of them are early revenue,
1: right? of course, in different stages of growth. Uh, They are primarily focused on pipelines for water, wastewater, and stormwater, looking at leaks, pipe thickness. Uh, water pressures there are a lot of interesting innovations uh, some companies that are looking at water quality mm-hmm. which is interesting to be able to track water quality in real time like aqua Q and dhi water right. allows decisions to be made yeah. based on what's going on biologically in the water uh, there are a couple of others that are looking at specific industries like Green Hunter water that is in the oil and gas, wellhead fluid management portion of the market, and Process Miner that specializes in pulp and paper to maximize the efficiency of those
0: the systems in that market sector. Very interesting. So there's a lot of noise, and obviously they each come in offering their product to a niche or a smaller uh, market segment. Um, and very often with technologies like this, Customer perception is very important. So, I suppose, how well do these, does, does the innovation or, you know, the advancements we're seeing in this area, how well do they map to what a customer would actually need or the pain points that a customer would identify? Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yeah, that's an interesting topic because uh, they've, as usual in most emerging areas, they're, the larger Issues are attacked first, and then things get more granular over time. With water loss from municipalities being in 30% range and sometimes higher, Mm -hmm. there is much to be gained from identifying and repairing the sources of non-revenue water. Um, In addition, pipe breaks are expensive and disruptive, and in extreme weather can be very difficult to repair and to um, even access. And there's extra labor, of course, involved. The um, major trends we're seeing now on the more innovation, innovative sides, are moving into machine learning and artificial intelligence, augmented reality, incorporation of drones. Right. Uh, and the important area is data security, as we all know, with all of the hacks and things that have happened in that we hear about in the news. This is a critical area for most entities, but especially some that have um, that we rely on, like our basic utilities of water and power. So that is an area that um, all customers are concerned with as they step into uh, this area of cloud-based data storage. Okay, interesting. It's interesting to note that some of the major competitors are acquiring a lot of these smaller companies. For instance, Xylem has acquired and added to their existing base of companies several new technologies to round out their offering and to um, be able to offer a complete package to the market.
0: Very interesting. Yeah, this, this landscape is moving very quickly and uh, I suppose it, it all ties back to the, the broader theme of Fourth Industrial Revolution. So, excellent. It's very encouraging to see um, and certainly a lot happening in this space. Thanks very much for your time, Judith. Okay, my pleasure. Thank you, David. Next up, I speak to our Editor-in-Chief, Reese Owen, on what Bluetech's been up to this month. Reese, welcome and thank you for joining us. Take us through some of the latest research items.
2: Hi, David. Well... This month, we've been investigating electrocoagulation, or EC. Now, in the context of wastewater treatment, that means passing a current through the water, mm-hmm. which alters the charge of the particles in the water, encouraging them to clump together so the contaminants coagulate and fall out of solution. It's a concept that's at least 100 years old, but was rediscovered, in a sense, in the 1990s, when it was realised it could be used to treat emulsions and oily water and remove heavy metals. And one of its one of its advantages is that the flocks it forms are more stable and contain less water than those created by adding chemical glycans. So how is this technology doing? Uh, well, it's becoming clear that it's a complex setup with many variables according to the precise mixture of contaminants being treated. So in our report, we examine the issues which can be used to set apart the various offerings in the market. Uh, and these include things like energy consumption, the conductivity of the water, Various aspects of module design, such as the materials used. It's been referred to as more of an art than a science by some experts. And there is a great deal of complexity, which we try and break down in our reports. Mm-hmm. And we do also look at the technological and commercial progress of a couple of the leading players, such as our water systems in Boydell, which operate mainly in the oil and gas sectors. So that's electrocoagulation. This month we're also examining the world of toxicity monitors as used in drinking water plants. So unlike more conventional sensors that measure the amount of something, for example dissolved oxygen in a water sample, a toxicity sensor measures the effect of whatever is in the water on an organism. So a very different concept. Most tools use specific microorganisms or algae, perhaps engage their reaction. Mm -hmm. Uh, In many cases that reaction is in the form of bioluminescence a kind of biological warming light. And in the report we examine the various technologies on offer in this area and we look at the market potential for both industrial and municipal use. And then finally, we're returning to a subject very close to our hearts, which is innovation. And particularly looking at the water innovation landscape in the UK. UK water utilities have been told by Ofwat, the regulator, to make innovation a core cool part of their business plans which has implications for everything they do. It's being called the biggest shakeup of the sector since it was privatized 30 years ago. Uh, this promises to open up a lot of opportunities for technology providers, particularly the ones providing smart water sensor technologies, energy saving, and resource recovery. So it's a mixed bag this month. Uh, look out for it in a week or two.
0: Absolutely, and I think with Off Watts. Um, focus on innovation i mean that's a radical change for off and what they're expecting from uk water utilities to innovate and to to come up with with newer ways of doing things which is uh, very exciting and also i believe the water utilities um have just submitted their business plans um as of last week so uh, that's
2: right yes yes indeed it's, it's all part of uh, price review 19
0: so the exactly so they're all under examination at the moment so uh, we'll keep an eye out for that and uh, get some feedback from uh, hopefully be able to share with our clients some feedback on what off what have said so far so thanks very much reese that's that's great um and a final note to our clients listening blue tech will be at weftech in the coming week we'll be bringing along with us a selection of innovative water companies and if you tuned into our podcast last month you would have heard from the companies themselves we'll be based at the innovation pavilion so please do drop by There will be a number of interesting sessions taking place at the pavilion and we're going to be also hosting our client breakfast briefing on the Tuesday morning. This is the 2nd of October, starting bright and early at 7.30am. We will ensure, of course, that there's plenty of coffee made available and along with breakfast to get you started. So we look forward to seeing you all there. For more details on how to register, please get in touch with myself or anyone from the Bluetech team. Thank you for listening and I hope you're enjoying fall and all the beauty that comes with the season. We'll be back next month with more content. Have a great week.